It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Is coming in gold and a world record. Ian Thorpe, the birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Welcome to the show. As always, we're here for our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we're joined by two men whose performances on AFL Grand Final Day have stood the test of time. Adelaide Shane Ellen and the Brisbane Lions' Clark Keating both saved their best for when the stakes were at their absolute highest. Keating turned timing your run into an art form and Ellen came from nowhere in 1997. A fringe defender transformed into a firing full forward whose five-goal haul helped sink St Kilda. And let's start with the latter, shall we? Shane, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sammy. Good where to do, be here. Where do we find you, mate? Up there in the uh, in the Sunshine State? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, been living here the last sort of eight or nine years up on the sunny coast, so weather's beautiful. Magnificent. And you're with the police up there, aren't you? I am, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm based in uh, Morton District, so i um, been in the same sort of place for eight years, so enjoying it. Transferred from um, Saipol. Okay. So what's your official title with the force? Just a senior constable, just a first responder. So, um, yeah, just uh, just responder jobs, as uh, as all the, uh, the hard-working police officers do. <laughs> Good on you, good on you. A kudos to you. And do this time of year, despite the fact that you're a you're a policeman and an officer, do the memories, footy memories, come flooding back? And do the reminders tend to come thick and fast each and every September? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I watch footy and follow footy all year anyway. But um, yeah, particularly this time is a special time of the year, and I always like to to follow the finals and and particularly watch the grand final. Um, brings back really good memories. Um, it's getting a bit. Uh, Old, it was about 24, 25 years ago. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I uh, look at the replays, I think they're in black and white. <laughs> Doesn't that just mean that the stories get bigger and better over time? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, particularly at the reunions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yours is honestly a, a marvellous journey. I mean, a Footscray local, you joined the Bulldogs, 11 games, one goal to, for, for a few years, over a few years there at the, the Witten Oval. And then you're delisted. You're taken by Adelaide in the 96 preseason draft. I mean, what are your memories of making the move over to the Crows? Is, is it fair to say you arrived without, you know, too much fanfare? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was just an average player um, and, and 
found it hard to get on the track against the uh, for the Bulldogs. Um, like you said, only played 11 games there over the four years. Um, so I sort of delisted and didn't know what I was going to do, and Adelaide showed a bit of interest. Um, and I remember uh, meeting um, Billy Sanders for the first time and um, uh, when I went over to Adelaide pre, pre the draft, and he said, oh, I thought you were taller, so... <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought all my chances were gone, but they 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 still drafted me, and um, uh, I had no idea pretty much of many of the players at all, other than what I'd seen on TV. So it was interesting, uh, interesting that first training run, that's for sure. Yeah. So you get there, and you play. You actually embed yourself though. You play seventeen games in, in year one, and you you found a home as a halfback. I did okay, and I got a theory on that that I didn't do much preseason in '96. So. Um, that, that's why my body was okay that year. But every other preseason, I did uh, it broke down. So <laughs> I should have went through. I should have went through doing no preseason, but I don't coach to take that on. But uh, yeah, so uh, I played okay in that first year, um, and then Robert Shaw uh, got sacked, and then Malcolm Blight took over, and I guess the rest is history. What's your, what was your first impressions of, of Blighty, the Messiah as he is known now in that in the city of churches? What was your first? Can you trace it back to your first meeting? Uh, not particularly, uh, particularly a meeting with me, but um, we had a team meeting, and it was all very formal. And we all sat in chairs, and he sat, he was at the front like a school teacher, and um, he gave us a book. And I think I've still got a copy of the book that he gave us in 1998, actually. And it just outlined all the rules and all the exact way that that he wanted us to play, and um, and pretty much simplified it. Um, and and from that day on. We sort of had a clear vision of uh, of what we wanted to achieve and and how to do it. Like a playbook. Like a playbook, yeah. Um, I mean, also, you know, he's got a bit of an aura. It's Malcolm Blight, so mm. uh, we all knew that he'd, he'd he'd been there as a player and and coached grand final sides and and knew knew how to how to um, you know win them as a player. Um, so we all just uh, just listened to him and and um, yeah. I mean, he's he's a very wise man and. Um, you know he's he's just got um, got great advice and knows how to manage players pretty well. So Shane, where in the playbook does it say that you're going to play at full forward in the 1997 Grand Final? Well, I missed that one. I don't know where he, <laughs> I don't know where he plucked that one from, but uh, he, uh, he he reckons he had a revelation one time when I was playing down at South Adelaide. And, yeah, and I'd managed to take a mark and kick a goal. I've read that a few times. So. Uh, he saw something in me and, uh, and um, I guess it worked out in the end. Modra being injured, I was just looking around the structure of the team and I was keen to get Nigel Smart up forward, but I'd watched him at full forward the week before when Modra went off and it just didn't quite go. He's more of a free spirit than that. And to get that extra height, you know, Shane six foot three or whatever, and I was just so pleased for him that he, he got a couple early. Now, you know, we had to move him back in the end because the structure of the team, we had some injuries, but... It, I was so pleased for him that he you know, he might start believing that he actually plays. So, it, it, I, I, yeah, I was just so happy for him. The funny thing was that I, I kicked most of the goals from the back line. So, yeah. I, I, even though I kicked a couple up forward, um, I didn't. I had a pretty lean second quarter in that game and and uh, and went back and, and kicked the rest. But just one of those games, I think, that, um, that kind of opened up for me. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to be part of it. He said that South Adelaide siding just stuck in the recesses of him after he saw it. And obviously in the preliminary final win over the Dogs a week before the grand final, the great Tony Modra does his knee in the first quarter, which is shattering for him and a headache for Blighty. So Monday of grand final week, I think it was, he pulls you aside, doesn't he? And he, and he, he lays it on you. You're going to play full forward. Yeah, well, I played reasonably... I think I played reasonably in the uh, preliminary final. So... I was 
I was reasonably confident I was getting a game. Um, so I was just having a kick to kick as we did before before training. He sort of came over, wandered over to me and said pretty nonchalantly that um, that he was going to play me full forward on a Monday. And uh, I was I was really surprised. I was I was happy that he actually said that because um, I didn't have any doubt that I probably was going to play. But then when he said that, I was like, maybe I wasn't going to play. So it was nice to uh, to go through the week and, and settle down and uh, and work exactly out, um, you know, how I want to play and what I want to do and where I was playing. Yeah, because what a head spin. I mean, this would be your first ever experience at full forward at AFL level. You hadn't kicked a goal that year. I think you had one goal from your first 26 Crows games and perhaps three majors to show from all those years of AFL footy prior. So it'd take the whole week to get your head around it. And was it an instruction or a role that had your stomach in knots during the week or were you calm? You know what? I was pretty calm. I think I was just so happy that I was going to play in a grand final. I mean, you know, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I was a Collingwood supporter back in the day, and um, you know, saw and watch or watched them uh, win that 1990 grand final, and um, you know, so I just wanted to be part of that. And just, I, I mean, because I didn't, I didn't know how many games I was going to play at that point, and I knew my body was, you know, I'd suffered from a lot of soft tissue injuries, so I just wanted to make my mark, mark, um, you know, some way. Um, during their career and um, I knew that was a great opportunity but the funny thing was I was so inexperienced that I actually grabbed one of the trainers and, and took him out uh, on one of the off nights and grabbed a whole bunch of balls and um, went out to the Max Bashir Reserve which was next to Amy Stadium back in the day and yeah. and had a, had a few shots for goal and, and just tried to work out a technique and and uh, you know that if I was to uh, to get any opportunities then um, you know I could uh, I could just turn to this technique and uh, I actually did that on the day, funnily enough, and, and um, yeah, kicked yeah. pretty straight on the day. Because you wouldn't have had a goal-kicking routine. You wouldn't have had any need for one, would you? No, exactly, yeah. So I'd heard about people with these routines. I never needed one, so I actually worked out a routine, <laughs> and it worked out pretty well. And I didn't want to tell. I didn't want. To, I didn't want to mention it to the coaches or, or Blighty. He might have been a bit alarmed, so I had to work it out for myself. <laughs> and Shane, were you sworn to secrecy? I mean, I guess the element of surprise is obviously, you know, a big part of the efficacy of these sort of things. Yeah, I wasn't. Strangely enough, I mean, it's probably different these days, but um, I didn't tell anybody. But um, I wasn't sworn to secrecy at all. I mean, I told my family and that, but it was something I pretty, I kept pretty, t- pretty close to my heart anyway. Yeah, and just went about my business during the week. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Up next, Shane Ellen goes bang in the 97 grand final. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Sporting Life, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're with Adelaide's 1997 Grand Final Jack in the Box, Shane Allen. So, Shane, on the day itself, I'd imagine you would have been pretty anxious about getting the ball in your hands during the warm-up and on the MCG, get a feel for the conditions and the like. But am I right to assume that in those days you didn't warm up with a bottomless bag of footies, did you? No, it was hard to get a kick. You know, <laughs> I could, you couldn't hear anything. That you know, it was it was nuts out there. It was a little bit breezy. Um, and to my well, Mark Bickley, the captain, he he grabbed one of the footies and and ran up to me and gave it to me and stood on the mark while I had a shot. And um, funny, funny how things work out. But 
I just went back to my technique and and slotted it from about sort of 40 out and um and he he ran up to me and uh, and said see see how easy it is that's all you got to do and funnily enough that first goal that I kicked was exactly that same spot so I I practiced that um um before the game yeah, and as the players walk to their positions to start the grand final, always a lot of intrigue out where everyone lines up. Did you have any idea or concept or understanding, awareness of the level of shock that might have come from Jamie Shanahan and co as they saw you walking down towards them at full force? <laughs> I reckon he would have been rubbing his hands together when he saw me. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, we didn't... I, just, I didn't even know who I was playing on. I don't think we put too much um, uh, effort into um, in looking at the opposition. I think... Bloody's theory was 20% on them and 80% on us. So um, it was just, uh, I don't know who was going to pick me up, but um, I was a little bit shocked that Jamie picked me up. Costa to him, and he's got it. Speak of him, he presents himself and takes a mark. Has not kicked one goal in nine matches this year. It's a strange move, that, because he's normally been playing up across a half forward, uh, and it allows Jamie Shanahan to go back to his most comfortable slot in the true full-back position. But uh, having said that... He's got a shot from 35 metres to uh, put the pros on the ball. Three career goals in 38 games. It's good. It's through. It's four now. And free, a free kick. Free kick to Ellen. On this occasion has been paid to Ellen and it will come back and he will kick from dead in front 35 metres out. Ellen on his way in. We know him as a halfback flanker but he kicks a goal in the 97 grand final. Adelaide. 3624, St Kilda 2-5-17. You kicked two in the first term, Shane. As you alluded to earlier, you then moved to your more customary halfback role in the second quarter, aren't you? So how did you take that move? And and was it a big adjustment mentally, I suppose, preparing all week to play full forward and then you yanked out of there after about half an hour of footy? Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was panicking a little bit because I thought, oh, you know, I'm sort of... I kicked the two goals in the first quarter, had the one handball in the second quarter, and I thought, God, what am I going to do here? And just thought I, I just thought I've just got to be attacking. I just basically I want to draw my player away from their goals, so I didn't have any goals kicked on me. Um, and I think uh, the, the the changing half forwards were changing on me, so it worked out pretty well because they were quite mobile. Brett James is directly in front of goal, but 55 metres out. The long drop punt. There's no one at the back there for St Kilda. Shane Allen is going to have a shot to bring the Crows to within one point of St Kilda. What's interesting, Allen is now playing on the half-back line against Rod Keogh, and he drifted forward, and Keogh might have just missed him. Shane Allen goes. Here come the Crows. Allen has three. It's all snares it. He's on his left. The kick half-smothered. It goes to centre-half-forward. It wasn't smothered. Allen has taken a strong grab, and Allen... Gee, he's running from half-back. He is, Graham. I was just going to say, he's now taken over the role that Kate and Benny Hart normally play. Ellen has three goals. We mentioned earlier, he's only ever kicked six, (laughs) and he's kicked three of them today. He might turn into a gun full forward, this fella, if he bags this one. Just today will do, Nitz. He's from 60 metres. Oh, Oh, he'll get the distance. He has kicked it. Shane Ellen, four goals. None more better than that one. (laughs) I can't believe this. The Crows lead by 11 points. In the last quarter, it worked out pretty well. Um, uh, I was playing um, half-back or back pocket, and I was being tagged, so that worked out pretty well. And I, wherever I ran, the player just followed me.
Yeah, so Darren Jarman takes over in the second half and, as we know, finishes with six. But you had that taste of the goals. And as you say, even though you were playing back, it wasn't going to stop you from pushing forward. What was going through your head as the game unfolded, particularly deep into the game, and you would have felt confident Adelaide was going to win? It must have been an amazing feeling after the journey that you'd had. And on the biggest day of all, almost like you could do nothing wrong. Just over eight minutes remaining in the game. Knocked down the Saints way. McLeod, though, who's been wonderful. Pumps it back in. Jarman almost. It fell in front. Rintoul. The Crows lead in all directions. Ellen gets another goal. His fifth. Lee, we were trying to work out where the Crows are getting their goals from today. You didn't have Shane Ellen top of the list, did you? Absolutely not. It's uh, just amazing. You thought Jarman might have got a few, but Ellen five. That's a plus. Yeah, you, you almost don't let you be, let yourself believe that you, that you might win it. So it's not until that final siren that the actual um, you know that the joy kicks in. But I was pretty happy when Nigel Smart kicked that last goal um, just prior to the, the the final siren. You could sort of let yourself relax a little bit and enjoy it. But yeah, it was uh, it was hard to believe. Just like I said, it, uh, with all the soft tissue injuries that I'd had and trying to get my body right and trying to get on the track and playing, you know, not a hell of a lot of games. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was just a real bonus just to make my mark on, in some way, um, you know, in the NFL world. It is amazing, isn't it? I mean, you did feature in the 98 grand final as well, so you're a member of the, the Crows' uh, fabled 97-98 back-to-back club, if you like. But it is incredible to think that you only kicked another eight goals for your career. I mean, it was what a, what a moment to be remembered for, though. And um, how has it lived on with you? It's a, it's a tremendous claim to fame, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I still people um, show a bit of interest like you have it, you know, this time of year, which is nice. Um, I think it'll run out one day, and I'll probably miss it. But um, but while while people still want to talk about it, I'm happy to talk about it. And um, you know, it's, it still surprises me um, what an impact it had on 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 people, particularly crow supporters, but football people in general. And you got a family of your own these days, I imagine. Yes, mate. I'm married. Uh, got a, got three kids. So my son, he's 17 or 18, and and plays up here from Roochador. So. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy watching him play. My 11 year old daughter, she just started playing um, uh, women's football as well. So, Brilliant. yeah, it's good. Do you whip out the DVD of '97 uh, Decider for the kids just to, <laughs> for a bit of motivation, inspiration? I, I try to, but it gets turned off pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, the reunions, I suppose, the 10 year gatherings for both flags were had, you know, relatively recently. What was that like? It was a magnificent chapter in, in Crow's uh, history, of course, '97, '98. What are the reunions like? You know what? It's, uh, even though the ten years is gone and twenty years is gone, it's um, we all just uh, get together and it's as if um, you know there's been no time passed. So everybody's still the same same character. We've all moved on, obviously, and doing our own thing and got families now. But um, yeah, it's, it's 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 as if that we're we're in the change rooms again and and the banter's the same. So it was a it was a really unique experience and and something that um, you know that hopefully will just can enjoy for the rest of my life. Yeah, 20, of course. I said 10. How time long? You've had the 10, you've had the 20, and you're, you're close to 30. It's, uh, the Thanks for reminding yeah, me. Sorry, mate. <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you today on Grand Final Weekend, Shane. Your contribution to the day itself, certainly fondly remembered specifically by Adelaide supporters, but moreover fans who have an eye for the romantic side of the game. Well done on what you achieved, and, and thanks so much for joining us. 
Thanks so much for showing interest. I really appreciate it. Well, we've reached halftime on this week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can visit them at tobinbrothers.com.au. Clark Keating had his share of injuries, but he would become known as the September specialist. The triple premiership winning Brisbane Lions Ruckman is up next. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. We're talking to two men whose performances on Grand Final Day are etched into VFL, AFL folklore. Shane Ellen makes way for Clark Keating. Clark played 139 games for the Brisbane Lions between 96 and 06, but he saved his best for the biggest games, of which his old side played in many. Crackers, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, mate. Pleasure to be here. Now, some called you the September specialist. Your old coach, Lee Matthews, I think, termed you the spring bloomer. I reckon both would sit comfortably deep into retirement, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. There's no better, uh, I suppose, nickname or uh, acknowledgement to have than, than the September specialist in a game where, you know, the most important games are played in September. Um, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a great, great history to have. Four grand finals, three premierships in 139 games. It's a fair ratio, isn't it? I mean, what was it about finals and grand finals, Clark, that, that brought out the best in you? Well, I suppose I was, I was fresh, you could say. I had to miss, <laughs> miss most of the year through, uh, through injury. Um, and I think I was just, just keen and eager. Like, the fact that I'd missed so much football uh, in the early parts of, of most years. Some, some parts I played the earliest parts and missed the guts and then came back in the end. But... Uh, to see your teammates out there flogging themselves week in, week out, and, and you're basically in the gym on an elliptical or a stationary bike flogging yourself to try and keep fit. Once you get out there on the footy field, it's, uh, a lot of built-up anger and, and uh, frustration definitely comes out. So I think uh, that's what drove me to um, perform during those finals campaigns. But also, too, knowing the fact that there's no next week um, was, a, was, a, was a big thing big thing for me that I went into all those games, even though we might have had a second chance. I made sure that if I had that mentality, say, if we don't win this week, we're going to put ourselves out. So uh, I went in there uh, all, all guns blazing, beating mode, and away we go. And as you just touched on there, I guess the reason you didn't play a lot more games like you would have was, was down to your luck or, or lack thereof, really, with injury. So run us through the injuries, because even before the Lions 3 Pete, you missed the entire 2000 season. What was the body count in the end with the injuries, Clark? Yeah, look, I reckon I've, I've calculated nearly four years of football that I missed. Um, so I, I played, obviously, 139, but I should have played definitely over the 200 mark. Uh, but, yeah, injury-wise, I had, I had five shoulder reconstructions. I had uh, the infamous osteitis pubis in the 2001 season. That 2000 year, I was out with uh, really acute patellar tendonitis. And then I had a calf injury in 1998, which I missed the whole year with as well. Um, and then I had a LaFranc's injury in my left foot at the end of the 96 season, which, which made me miss the uh, prelim final uh, in my first year of playing senior football. And then I had a few meniscus injuries in 97 um, and uh, 99 as well. So my whole body had a bit of a workout in regards to what happened to it. But uh, yeah, obviously in today's football, um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the 
pre-season that was interrupted. I think these days, if you didn't have the continuity of football year in, year out, you'd fall behind uh, to the point where you wouldn't be able to catch back up again. So yeah. it just goes to show the game has changed so much now compared to when I played that you could probably manage um, not having that full pre-season or having that continuity of, of training and playing year in, year out because uh, the way these guys run now... Um, is a lot greater than when it was when I played. And you can see, as you touched on, that how that might enhance your thirst for the contest at the pointy end of the season, uh, heightened by the fact there's no tomorrow. Were you were you the white line fever type, Clark? Uh, I was in regards to competitiveness, probably not in regards to going out there and losing control of, of, of what I was doing as such. Um, you know, you have those players who have the white line fever where they just forget the rules of the game and they go go a bit crazy, but uh, I was more so, I just didn't want to be beaten. I just wanted to compete and make sure that I gave it all. And, uh, you know, the, the faith in, in Lee, I suppose, and, and the match committee to give me a go, given the fact that I hadn't played. And obviously my relationship with the with the mids was really um, important as well. And they had faith in my ability to get the hand on the ball to give their best use to then get the clearances and, and give our forwards uh, a go at kicking goals. Just on those mids, it was a reasonable one. Uh, it was the talk of the footy world for so long, the, the Fab Four, etc. Did you did you have a favourite in there, Clark? This might be asking um, a parent who their favourite child is, but, geez, Black, Voss, Acker, Lappin, Power, the list goes on, Sean Hart. Did you have a regular go-to in there? Oh, look, I think um, go-to was definitely Blackie. Blackie and I had a, a pretty good relationship in regards to where we knew this, where the space was and we didn't have to really communicate vocally. It was more so a bit of a, a look at the space with his eyes and I knew exactly where he wanted the ball and, and he knew that I was going to try and get it there. Another belt forward by it Brisbane. Carousella somehow got it out to McGrath, to Black on his favourite side. Left foot kick is right through the middle. Well, it's getting ugly now, Robert. It's 42 points. And another goal as the result of a ruck contest. Belted forward, Carousella to McGrath. Freed it up to Simon Black on his trusty left boot. And Collingwood are just being killed in the ruck contest. And it is hurting them so much. Um, and I think when you've got that relationship with your, with your midfield, then the opposition are sort of guessing as well because there's actually no communication. There's no call in regards to... Um, what hit zone you're going to go to. Um, and we always knew that Blackie was going to be the go-to when I was in the ruck. Um, on, the, on the flip side, Bossy was always there as well. Like, he was always in an under player. So if it became a contest, he then was drawn into the contest as well to make sure it wasn't an easy clearance for the opposition. And the likes of Acker and Nigel and, and Hardy, well, they played, played massive roles as well in that, in that part of the ground. So just with Simon Black, Clark, the eyes were enough. Absolutely. Eyes were enough and a bit of a nod of the head or a, a, a tilt to one side when he was looking at me. We made sure we had that eye contact and we always did before the umpire threw the ball in. Because as the ball was thrown in, Blackie sort of turns his head to see where the ball is. So all our communication was done prior uh, to when that was happening. Um, sometimes too, it could have been a, a late call when, when, when the ball was in the air and he found space open up over the back. And then I just sort of flick my wrist around and, and push the ball into that space. Now, we'll break down this Lions three-peat in a moment, 01-02-03. was the year that you actually did have a good run, the one premiership campaign that you saw a lot of. Kick has got a lot of height on it. It's dangerous. Oh, power got crunched. The bones to be played here. Keating scoops it up. No one chasing from 30 metres. Oh, great finish by Keating. <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you right now, there are very few ruckmen in the league that could do that. You'd formed a great chemistry that year, didn't you, with Bo McDonald, um, and you had John Barnes and Steve Alessio for company in the grand final that year at the G. Yeah, look, it was um, a cracking game. Um, there's been a bit of a, uh, a, a lift out in, in the Courier Mail this week on on the history of the three-peat, uh, being obviously the 20-year reunion this yeah, year for yeah. 01. And, um, yeah, it was it was obviously a year that was, was at the start, you would have thought we were winners spooners. We just couldn't seem to get a win. And then all of a sudden, we had that belief uh, in our ability. And, and, uh, and, and Lee Matthews played a massive part in that by by just pleading with us to say, hey, guys, I know exactly what we need to do. Um, and we just needed that buy-in from all the, the playing group. And, and we, we we basically all bought into it. And, and the rest was basically history. We had that belief. And a, a lot happens when you've got the confidence in your own ability and the team's ability, whether it be you know a goal down with, with five minutes to go or being down at three-quarter time uh, by six goals. We had that belief knowing that we could come home strong in that last quarter and, and, and win. The bouncing ball is with Chris Scott. He gets claimed by Rioli from behind. It spills free to Michael Voss. Voss needs someone going past, and he's got Ashcroft. Marcus Ashcroft. Again, they go towards full forward, towards a lift. Oh, it's a header. He hasn't paid. Keating, not paid. Well, they go on, so Pike decides he will kick the goal. Catch us now, say the Lions. To Voss in the pocket. Voss close. He's done it. Has he? The captain. He's finished it off. To power. Power for a third. Another one. Johnson gets caught. The ball just pops up in the air. Back towards Rioli once again. He couldn't take it. Voss. Steady. Cool. And calm. Away goes Black. Akamanis is still running. Brown is right there with him. Look at Acker. Making position in the forward line. Down he goes. 40 metres out. And he'll go back and kick for goal. Seven possessions in the quarter. Three marks. This will be the icing on the cake. Starts at left. Back comes and he kicks the goal. Two goals to Jason Akamanis. Brad Scott, who has been so good. He had the job on Hurd. Kicks the ball to centre wing. Wellman front spot. Good mark. Lich has had a terrific day. The kick straight. He'd be one of the players of the match. He would certainly be in line for the Norm Smith. He's had seven marks, ten possessions, kicked two goals for They've done it. He's got the ball in his hands, Bruce. A bit of history here. Lee Matthews has been to the top of the mountain for a second time as coach. Once at Collingwood. And now he's done the impossible. Brisbane have won the Premiership. And they've beaten the champs. And they've beaten them emphatically with an absolutely irresistible second half. Yeah, well, that belief and confidence had only just been lit. It wasn't going anywhere for a few years yet. We're talking to triple premiership winning Lions Ruckman Clark Keating on This Is Your Sporting Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll be back with Clark after this. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Shane Ellen and Clark Keating have been our guests today. 
Clark, the most lasting memory of you, I suppose, is the big spike. The, the Michael holding run-up before the rules changed and then the big spike. What, what was the thinking behind that? Because it, it became your signature move. Yeah, look, we, we had a, um, a very basic game plan, was uh, to get the ball moving forward uh, as quickly and as far as possible. Uh, we had the belief that if we put our opponents under pressure uh, and they're running back towards goal, more likely they're going to make a mistake and, and we're heading in the right direction. So we just applied that pressure every moment we could. And uh, being, I suppose, in that rush position, I had the opportunity to be have that first play on getting the ball moving forward. So I had the uh, majority of the time just, just belted it, you know, the, the hell out of the ball to try and get it you know, our way. So it was, uh, I, I, I suppose it all comes down to timing. I, I, you know, the, the punch is looks simple, but um, it, it does... It does uh, require some timing and some perfection in making sure it goes the 20, 30 metres. Yeah, and speaking of trademarks, it was the, the glove on the left hand, wasn't it? You were a gloveman over the journey? I did have the glove, yes. I, uh, I wore that um, for a few years. I, I, uh, I'm not quite sure why I did, actually, to be honest. I, I didn't <laughs> mark the ball that often, but uh, I managed to wear the glove on the left hand. But uh, obviously it was a part of my game that I used, and, uh, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Yeah. Uh, 2001, as we said, was your stereotypical season. You play most weeks, you play in finals. But the script was about to be flipped, wasn't it? The shoulder, I think, started to pack it in in 02 and, and 03, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was the start of the 02 year where I had the osteitis pubis. So I had the surgery where they, um, the adductor tenotomy, where they slice uh, the both sides of your adductor, just the top layer of the sheath there. And I basically went into that 2002 season with literally no pre-season. Mm. Um, so the, the doctors and the physios thought at the end of the 01 season that they'd just rest me because I had had the osteitis through the 01 season. So I managed to contain it throughout the year. But then they thought it might have just gone away. And uh, basically just before Christmas, um, they decided to put me in for this surgery that was done down in uh, Newcastle. So I had the surgery and... Uh, the recovery was was quite quite slow, and therefore I didn't play my first game. I think until uh, four or five, I think in two thousand and two. But I had lost all my strength and and my speed and, and my and my jump. So I spent most of two thousand and two um, in the QAFL playing local league. But in doing that, that allowed me to build up my fitness and my strength um, to be able to be eligible to be selected for that two thousand and two finals campaign. And, uh, yeah, Lee Matthews obviously had the faith in me to, to give me a call-up uh, just prior to um, the finals campaign starting. So it was uh, it was great to be out there. Yeah, because you only played the nine AFL games that year, and the last one of those nine was, was back in round 15, and then you played the three finals. So not only that, but in the grand final, your mate Bo McDonald goes down with a serious shoulder injury early in the second quarter, I think. And yet you took it all on board. A career-high 39 hit-outs. And you had Josh Fraser. You had Steve McKee. They threw Anthony Rocker up against you as well. That was a great afternoon on the personal front, I'd imagine. Oh, it was. It was a game that um, obviously it was a a challenging year for me because I I actually was quite frustrated because I felt like I was playing good football um, in the local league. Uh, But obviously, Charmo and Bo were holding the the ruck two spots down in, in in the seniors. So I had to bide my time. Um, and I went through a few uh, mental challenges during that time as well. Like I got quite frustrated and angry at the fact that I wasn't playing. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually calmed down and, and started to enjoy my football in the local league that it started to then present my personality. And uh, the club saw that I just wanted to play 
play football at the best level, um, and I was happy to play anywhere, that they then gave me the, the cracking the O2 finals campaign. So it was it was a difficult year. And then to play that, that last game um, and to go for Bo to go down and, and uh, for me to have such an impact in the game was, was very rewarding, given the fact that it was a challenging year. But uh, another good win by the, by the boys, and uh, it was. It was a cracking game. Um, down in the last literally minute to, uh, to win, so it was uh, a lot of fun. Five-minute warning, five minutes of game time left. Buckley desperate slaps it out. Can Leon Davis pick it up? He's bowled over. Back to Brad Scott, around the corner, to the full forward area. Lynch can't manufacture a mark. Akamanis, left foot snap. Akamanis has kicked a goal. What a snap. Jason Akamanis. Goal on the left. Yeah, it's incredibly tense grand final that one. And then I guess the difficulties, as you say, that you experienced in 02, did that make 03 rather just a little bit easy to navigate because you missed the first 14 rounds of that year? It was the plan of fascia. And then you came back and you played all four finals, uh, obviously including the grand final, 27 hitouts and seven clearances against Collingwood again. So it all worked out for the better in the end. But um, gee, there would have been some nervous moments that year as well, but was it made easier by the difficulties you had in 02? Uh, yeah, it, it, absolutely. I think um, I think the way that I handled myself towards the end of 02 put me in a good mindset for 03. Um, and the fact that the plantar fascia was, was such a horrific... Um, well, you can't do much in plantar fasciitis. It's, it's one of those things you can't even run. Uh, swimming is pretty much all you can do. Uh, cycling, you can only do in a boot to make sure you too much force through your, your plantar fascia. So the amount of cross-training that I could do during that time off was quite limited. Um, so to get back out there and have an impact, which I had a good lead-up to the 03, and I felt like I went into that 03 finals campaign really fit because I had played a good uh, you know, eight, eight, nine games leading up to that, uh, that finals campaign. So I went in quite confidently throughout the whole three games, and uh, you know, that 03 grand final was reflective upon my ability to, to jump and, and get over my opponent. I only averaged 50% game time. Uh, Krishamo played his first grand final that game as well. So he uh, he, had a, he had a good impact on it. And uh, obviously Blackie came home with the Norm Smith and had a cracking game um, to finish the year, the year off. Now this man getting the ball sure. He's the f- spare man in defence. Oh, and he's gone without it. Lynch gathers. He's got loose men everywhere, but he decides to have a punch. quite amazing looking at your career though Clark because not only do you miss so much football but you, you come in at the business and you don't you're not just there but you actually perform as well so under the extreme heat of finals and grand finals you know the microscope is fierce the hottest football of the year and you've missed so much football it's amazing you're able to get up and not only that but perform at the business end when you missed so much footy during the year year upon year yeah, look, it is um, at the moment that you sort of reflect, and I suppose I had a lot of experience in that 
in that way. I, I looked after myself really well when I couldn't play, um, from diet to, to the amount of cross training I could do. So I, I, didn't, I never came back carrying too much. Um, you know, my skin folds were good, but I didn't come back carrying too much weight as such. Um, so I really worked with the with the strength and conditioning and the physios to make sure I could do as much as I possibly could without impacting on my rehab. And I think that really put me in good stead when I came back and played. So instead of taking you know X amount of games to get myself back into the swing of things, it took me half the amount of time. And I think that's just a benefit of, of my um, my discipline in in regards to being injured for such a long period. I, I knew that the the opportunity within the club at that point in time uh, was was great for all players involved in at the Lions during that, that period, and it wasn't going to last forever. I was 28 uh, in the 04 Grand Final, which obviously we, we, we lost, but um, to be getting towards the end of my career, I had to make sure I made every post a winner. It sort of ran in the family, didn't it, featuring at the business end despite not playing that many games? Because, of course, your brother Aaron, he, he just has the six uh, games to his name, but one one happened to be the 97 Premiership for Adelaide. I know that was a that was a crazy time. Like he's obviously I I, I played against him in round one. Uh, he was playing for Adelaide Crows. I was playing for Brisbane, obviously. Matty Clark was was my my teammate then in regards to in in the ruck, and, and uh, I played against Aaron for the first time. Um, it was quite a surreal moment. My parents came over. One had a lion scarf on, and one had a crow scarf on, and and all of a sudden Aaron went off the ground, and I was I was talking to uh, 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 Ben. I think it was. Uh, I think at the time from uh, Crows. I said, "What happened to Aaron?" He goes, "Oh, he went off with a sore hip." But uh, how it turned out, Matty Clark jumped into him, hurt his hip. Uh, thought he had a corky, went off the ground, and he snapped his pelvis. So, um, he missed the whole of the uh, '97 year through uh, obviously getting um, uh, repaired that injury, and uh, came back for the prelim against Western Bulldogs, and obviously the final against. Uh, against Kilda, so I had a really, really uh, good end of the year, that's for sure. That's what the Keatings do. Now, what are you doing at the moment, Clark? Um, I know you've been involved in real estate. You've obviously been a ruck coach over the journey at the Lions in your retirement as well. Are you still involved with Luxie Car? I am, mate, yeah. yeah so it's a subscription-based uh, company where we subscribe luxury cars out to, for long-term clients. So uh, very, very simple model. Uh, we supply the car and they pay the rent and, and uh, look after tolls and we look after everything else. So... Uh, We've been going for about 18 months now and, and uh, going from strength to strength. So it's a, uh, a good business to be involved with and, and, and one that's uh, going to grow even more, hopefully, over these next 12 months. Well, we appreciate you joining us today, Clark. It's been actually great to have you and Shane Ellen uh, along to talk about your memories and performances on the biggest stage that our game can provide. There certainly are performances that live on among the more extraordinary chapters in VFL, AFL history. Well done on all you achieved and, and thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, gents. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You've been listening to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Jump online to find tobinbrothers.com.au. We'll catch you the next time we celebrate the life story of another sporting icon. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.